The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Well, as we come to this time of uh, study, I invite your attention to Mark chapter 11. We've entered a new chapter, which uh, if you've been with us in our study of the book of Mark, that's like running a marathon and then realizing the finish line is close. Uh, By the way, the finish line is Thanksgiving weekend of this year, but it's getting closer. Amen. Uh, We pray you're blessed by the study. That's page 867 of the Blue Pew Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you're visiting with us. We especially want to say thank you. Again, we know it's an icy day. Uh, Lots of folks... uh, 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 here and some at home just for safety and other reasons, so thank God for your attendance. Also want to thank Derek, our share team leader, and uh, really be praying about those three names of people whom uh, you might be putting up on a board that we can pray for and share the gospel with that you know. They could be coworkers, they could be family, uh, they could be anyone, but uh, we really want to make sure that we are doing the best with what we have uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ as we do. Well, it is Valentine's Day week. Uh, uh, We went from Super Bowl to Valentine's. That's always a weird transition from whatever that transition is. So you heard the story about the man, didn't you, who was browsing in a Christian bookstore last minute trying to buy his wife that wonderful gift. And among the items was something on the clearance shelf. It had reduced price on it. And it was a little figurine of a man and a woman. And as God would have it, it was the 10th anniversary of this man and woman, and the the figurine said 10th anniversary. It appeared to be in perfect condition, but its tag on the back indicated damaged. And as he got a little bit closer to the tag, he realized that it said underneath, it said, wife is coming unglued. And so uh, he, he didn't quite buy that figurine. Or the story of a man... Like a lot of married men, and men, you understand this, uh, that you get that speech, you know, the, the you just don't appreciate me speech, right? And he promised to treat his wife royally for the remainder of the day, so he took her out to lunch at Burger King and Dairy Queen for dessert. And uh, she never mentioned it once again. Aren't you revved up for the morning? Well, we're not talking about that type of royalty today. But by the reaction of the people we're going to look at today, you'd almost think these stories, these silly little introductory stories and and the crowd we're going to see are almost as fickle as one another, as it is. And and, and, and one more just for your sake. Come on, guys. The husband was coming out of anesthesia, and after a series of tests, he was in the hospital. He looked at his wife across with his eyes fluttering and said, honey, you're beautiful. And he flattered her so much, she said, can you say that again? He said, you're cute. What about the beautiful part, she said. He said, well, the drugs must be wearing off, honey, as it is. Oh, come on. Walk with it. Some of y'all are going to take these to the bank, I know. But seriously, one thing not unglued, one thing not wearing off is something royal that when you look at it from the front, you think, how in the world could that make any sense? In the same vein, Jesus is going to be walking into Jerusalem in a way people are going to say, how beautiful, how amazing, how awesome. Crucify him. How do you go from that to that? Well, the drugs might have been wearing off for the Jews of that day as well, if such a thing could be said. But one thing we know is the crowd that we're going to be focusing on today in Mark chapter 11 
is not unlike many people around the Valentine's Day, as fickle as it is sometimes. Let me remind you, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion, and shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Why would this royal God, this Jesus God in the flesh, come in such a... I mean, let's be honest. Why didn't he come with chariots and horses and people running before him? Yet he came with a donkey and a foal and these things. But it's meant to point to one action. Jesus is not coming to Jerusalem as a king. He's coming as a servant king. And praise God, right, Christian, that someday Jesus is going to come riding on the right white horse, literally, with all the armies of heaven before him. And he will give up all, uh, all the power that he has to, to right the world as it is. But this instance, in Mark 11, he comes to give his own life. Such a difference. But now he comes as one who is lowly, who's not leading to war, but to witness. And the things that are, are the things that aren't the way that people think they should be, and vice versa from Jesus' perspective. He comes with humility, comes offering peace to his enemies, He's ready to set the record straight, and it begins the final week of Jesus' life. I just want you to take it aside here and say this. The next five chapters are one week. One week. So you're going to be studying one week of Jesus' life from now for the next nine and a half months until Thanksgiving weekend, right? Amen. Aren't you? You are ready to go uh, as you are. But the crowd had one question. What kind of Jesus do you want? Do you need anything other than? than a Jesus who's ready to take over the political realm, or do you want a Jesus who came to die for your sin? And that is the question that this crowd is going to have to answer and ask themselves in the coming weeks as we study the, the last week of Jesus. But friends, the big idea today, and the big idea is just simply the, the summary of the sermon itself, but we're often like those worshipers on that first Passover, on Palm Sunday. We're eager for the party, but we're not quite ready for the cross, if we're honest. And we often come this way to church so much, but we are called to believe in Jesus. We're called to adore him. We're called to worship, follow, and imitate him, to trust him, to love him, obey him, serve him, proclaim him, and glorify him. And that's what it's all about. And this crowd was doing those things, but they were doing it expecting different things than what Jesus had in line for his plan to be. So five things this morning. And these will be quicker than they may seem. But five details about this coming king. I want you to see his approach. I want you to see the arrangements he makes, the acquisition he has, how they adore him, and the authority he has. All in these 11 verses that we have. Now, I want you to know as we get into this chapter that Jesus lived probably about 33 years. We're pretty certain of that, 33 years. And he only spent three of those years in public ministry. So 30 years of preparation, three of actual ministry. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, devotes a fourth of his gospel, chapters 21 to 28, on this last week alone, the Holy Week. Mark gives a third of his gospel, chapters 11 to 16. Luke gives one-fifth of his gospel. And John, literally, I didn't know this till this week, didn't think about it, he gives half of his gospel to this last week of Jesus' life. It's very important. It all adds up to 89 chapters in all the gospels, 31 of those chapters are talking about the last week of Jesus' life. Pretty amazing. There's a reason why, as a church, we emphasize the cross, the burial, and the resurrection, because the Bible does so, so well. So if you're able this morning, would you join me in standing as we read uh, Mark 11, 
uh, verses 1 to 11, and I'll be reading out of the ESV, which is the same as the Pew Bible this morning. For many of you, this is a very, very familiar passage, and we don't often preach on this during the dead of winter, but praise God, here we are, and uh, may our ears be open to what God may say. Verse 1, chapter 11, Mark's Gospel. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and to Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. And if anyone, verse 3, says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and we'll send, back here, send it back here immediately. And they went out and away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there, you can picture this, can't you? What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus said, and they let them go. Verse 7, and they brought the colt to Jesus and threw the cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that had cut, been cut from the fields. And verse 9, those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And verse 11, he entered, that's Jesus, he entered Jerusalem, went into the temple. And when he looked around at everything, it was very late. He went to Bethany with the twelve. Friends, this is a remarkable passage. And I want to remind you that as Christians, we have need to be reminded of this important week. It's going to be painstakingly slow for us, taking nine months to go through five chapters. I promise you that. It is slow. But this is so important because everything contained in here is the bedrock, the cornerstone of our faith, and so much more. Will you join me in prayer as we start off today? Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Again, thank you for getting us here safely on icy roads, Lord. Thank you for a parking lot that is, is good enough to have church today. Thank you for those who help prepare all these things, all these little blessings that come in. Thank you for the ladies who led us this morning, Lord, in leading uh, in songs of worship. Father, you're so good. We thank you for your grace. Lord, as we study the most important mission the world has ever known, the coming of your son, and what as he ends out that mission in the coming weeks as we study, Father, help us to be blessed. Even if this is familiar territory, Father, may your spirit enlighten and illuminate our hearts to know more of you. Father, we are unworthy. There's nothing we bring to the table that's ever worth anything to you apart from the, the God-man, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us. Father, thank you so much. Give us wisdom now. May you speak both to the saved and the unsaved. Get me out of the way. It's your word, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Well, the first thing I want you to see as, as, as Jesus comes in here is I want you to see the approach of the king. We need to take just a moment to talk through what it looks like as Jesus comes in. And I, I also want to point out that this is, these coming details are in all the Gospels. You're going to see all the Gospels sharing these details before us. And this is the only time that, that the Gospel writers have shared the same story except for one. And that was the feeding of the 5,000. So as we are standing with these gospel writers to see how important this is, that's pretty amazing. And, and I want you to know we're not going to go cross-reference all the different sections of the, the, the Palm Sunday. There's Matthews, there's Luke's, there's John's. We're going to cherry-pick those and focus really on Mark itself uh, until about uh, our last point. 
But Jesus has traveled here. You, you notice there that uh, he went from Jerusalem. Remember, he's been coming up from Jericho. He's been going up through the mountains, upward about 3,300 feet and 17 miles. That's a long way. Um, and, and Luke said he went up to Jerusalem. The road he's on is desolate. It's, it's unsafe. It's, 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 it's full of robbers and thieves. And he's traveled 15 miles from Jericho, and now he's two miles outside the city. He has the crowd with him. He has the 12 disciples with him. He has that man, if you remember last week, blind Bartimaeus from chapter 10, just the last section. And they're ready to go. They're thinking kingdom come is now. They're ready to launch. And he goes to a small town called Bethpage. It's a small town just east of Jerusalem. Uh, put this in Kansas City terms, if you're in Smithville area, it's like going to Trimble, if you want to put it that way, or Grayson, or uh, like Buckner, if you're going east of here, if you want to put it in those things. And then they also go to Bethany, which is on the southeast slope. And it, we don't read this, but in John 11, Jesus has raised, in recent days, Lazarus. Remember that story, don't you? Lazarus gets raised up from the dead, and his friends, Jesus' friends Mary and Martha are there. And it's really the only place in John 11 he finds refuge before he gets into the last week of his life. And they're near the Mount of Olives. This is such a, uh, a unique reference. They're, they're near the Mount of Olives. It's a ridge that runs north to south, and it's two miles long in the Kidron Valley. And what happens on that place is Jesus is going to give his famous uh, uh, discourse, 